Today we are beginning a brand new teaching series simply called Jesus Heals. Look at your neighbor and say that. Say, Jesus Heals. Jesus Heals. I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious by the, uh, by the title of this series what this series is about. This series is about healing. And you may or may not know this, but healing really was the defining characteristic of the ministry of Jesus. People followed Jesus uh, because he was a healer. They would follow him, yes, because he would say, follow me, and they would follow him uh, because he would teach them about faith and various things. But the main reason why they followed him is because he would heal their sick, because he had compassion on them. He was moved with compassion when he saw people that were in need, and and he would minister to their sickness. He would heal them and and, uh, cast out devils and various things, and people would follow him, and people would come to know him because he would perform healing miracles. And I could take a poll this morning and ask uh, each of you this morning, have you been healed by Jesus? And I think the majority of us would raise our hands because at some point uh, in time in in our life or in some form or fashion along our our journey in this, this thing called life, we've all been touched by Jesus. We've all experienced a healing. And I think a lot of times, uh, even though we may have experienced a healing, there have been times that we've prayed for healing, and, and, and for whatever reason, we didn't get that healing that we prayed for. And I think it's very easy that, that when we pray for people and we don't receive the healing um, that we're believing Him for, I think it's very easy to come away from that and thinking that, well, we know that Jesus can heal, but we're really not sure if it's His will to heal every single person. I think some of you may have even wondered that from time to time. Maybe some of you have prayed and you've, you've seen um, of heal, healing take place immediately. And then maybe there's other times where you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for some sickness or you've prayed for maybe some grief or something that you were struggling with and, and it just wasn't alleviated. And so I think it's easy to come away from that thinking that, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal everyone. So what I want to do this morning as we begin this series, I want to I deal with this question, is it God's will to heal Everyone. And the reason I'm choosing to deal with this question right off the bat from this series is because we could do an entire series on this and you could still have the mindset, well, that's great that Jesus is a healer, but I'm not sure that his will is to heal everyone. So I want to tackle, this is a very, this is a very difficult question to answer for a lot of people. A lot of people struggle with this, not really knowing whether or not it's God's will to heal everyone. So I want to answer this question, is it God's will to heal Everyone. I think when you first ask that question right off the bat, most people are going to say, well, of course it's God's will to heal everyone. But then if you think about it for a while, you start thinking about people that you've prayed for or maybe your, your own self that you've believed God for a healing and didn't receive that healing. And it kind of causes you to have a wrinkle in your belief as to whether or not Jesus wants to heal everyone. And this is something that as believers, we have to know. You have to know whether or not it's God's will to heal everyone or whether it's only God's will to heal a few people because if you don't know what God's will is, you can't have faith to believe for a healing. There are some people who even pray, God, if it is your will, I pray that you would heal so-and-so. And I just want to tell you right off the bat, if that's the way that you pray, if you don't know whether or not God's will is to heal someone, you can't have faith because without knowing what God's will is, you don't have anything to stand on. You have to know whether or not God's will is to heal 
everyone. So keep that in mind this morning as we're, as we're unpacking this question, is it God's will to heal? Understand that you have to know what God's will is if you are going to have faith to believe for a healing. So what I want to do for these next few moments is I want to give you a lot of scripture. We're going to look at a lot of places in scripture where Jesus would heal people, and we're going to see whether or not um, his will was to heal everyone or if it was only a few people. And as we're doing this, I want you to have an open heart and an open mind as to what God wants to teach you this morning. Because I know that some of you have had past experiences, some of you have been taught certain things, and, and I'm asking you for the next few moments that, that you would just give God an open door to your heart so He can speak to you, not, not necessarily from me, but from His Word this morning, so you would see the glimpse, or get a glimpse of how Jesus interacted with people who had diseases, how Jesus interacted with people who had... Uh, who were crippled, who were deaf, who were, who were blind, who were possessed with evil spirits. I want you to see it in the Word of God and be able to draw your own conclusion. All right? So if you want to take notes this morning, I, you'll have a lot of scriptures to write down. We're going to read these on the screen. If you want to write down the reference, you can, so you can go and look at it on your own. But I want to start in Matthew chapter 4, in verses 23 through 24. We're looking at the encounters that Jesus had with sick people. It says this, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, these are churches, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Watch this. And he healed, what kind of diseases did he heal? Jesus healed every kind of disease and illness. If you follow along in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline or, or highlight uh, the words that we have highlighted on the screen, because these are key words. It says he healed every kind of disease and illness. There was, there was not any illness or disease that was too big or too hard for Jesus. He healed every one of them. Verse 24, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him, watch this, people heard about him healing people, so they began to bring all of their friends and all of their family members, every person who was sick, they brought, him to, brought them to Jesus. Watch this. And whatever, whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic, epileptic or paralyzed, watch this, what did he do? He healed them all. So right there in that passage, we see that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Who is that? That's Jesus. So Jesus is, is executing the will of the Father. Okay, so we're, we're, the, the question is, is it God's will to heal everyone? So Jesus is God in the flesh. So he, His ministry is going to confirm the will of God. Does that make sense? So every time he comes encounter with someone who is sick, no matter what their disease was, no matter what their illness was, whatever their condition, whether they were paralyzed, whether they were epileptic, whether they were lame or, or, or deaf or mute or, or whatever, he healed them all. All right, another passage, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed, look at this, every kind of disease and illness. Matthew 14, 14. 
Jesus saw, this is important, the huge crowd, which means what? There were a lot of people there. It wasn't just two or three people, okay? Jesus saw the huge crowd, many people there, and as he stepped from the boat, he had compassion. I love this because Jesus cares for us. He sees when people are hurting. He sees when people are sick. He has compassion on them. He doesn't want them to be in that condition. So what does he do? He has compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 21, verse 14, it says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. I love this because it's given us different situations and different um, conditions that people had who were brought to Jesus. It says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and what did he do? He healed them. Matthew 19, 1 and 2 says this, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Watch this. Large crowds. Anytime you see large crowds, vast crowds, huge crowds, you need to, you need to note that because that means there were a lot of people. Okay? Large crowds followed him there and he did what? He healed their sick. So whatever the, the size of the crowd was, we don't know how many, but we know it was a large crowd. And any of them that were sick, he healed their sick. All right, are y'all following? Then this is a, this is, I'm telling you, this is a, this is a, a, a deep teaching that I'm going to give you this morning. This is a teaching that's not just deep, it's, it's foundational. This is something that we need to know. I don't know what you've been taught uh, in your upbringing or whether or not you've even heard a sermon on healing before, but this is something that you need to see what the Word of God says, okay? Regardless of experiences, regardless of other people's experiences, what does the Word of God say? All right, Matthew chapter, where are we? Matthew chapter 12, is that the next one? Matthew chapter 8, excuse me. Matthew chapter 8, 16 and 17 says this, that evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. So, so far we've looked at blind people, lame people, uh, people of all kinds of conditions, and now we see here people who were possessed with the devil were brought to Jesus. What did he do? He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and what did he do? He healed all. Everybody say all. He healed all the sick. And this fulfilled a prophecy. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah that, was, that Isaiah had, had said hundreds of years before. Here's what the prophecy said. He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So Jesus was confirming the Father's will. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left that area, and many people followed them. Look at this. He healed all the sick among them. Matthew 14, 35 through 36. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly through the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. Now, why were they bringing the sick to be healed? Because they had heard that Jesus was a healer. This was the defining characteristic of the ministry of Jesus. So they hear that Jesus is this healer. So they start bringing all their sick friends, all their sick family. They brought them to Jesus. Verse number 36. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. Watch this. And all who touched him were healed. How many of the sick people who come for a touch were healed? All of them. All of them were healed. Last verse here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. A vast crowd, there's that phrase again, huge crowd, large crowd, vast crowd, was brought to him. 
people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. In other words, all kinds of diseases, all kinds of illness. They laid them before Jesus, and what did they do? He healed them all. Now, I just I read you a ton of Scripture right there where Jesus encountered sick people. And every time He encountered sick people, He healed them all. My point is this, that when you read all the accounts where Jesus healed people, the only conclusion that you can draw is that His will is to heal everyone. His will is to heal everyone. Jesus is our healer, and His will is to heal everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter what anyone else teaches. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or experiences. All you have to do is look at the life of Jesus and you will see that God's will is to heal everyone. Once again, Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And everything that He did was confirming His Father's will. What is the question today? Is it God's will to heal everyone? According to Scripture, when we look at the life of Jesus... The answer is yes. Jesus healed everyone. Well, pastor, what about the people who don't get healed? What about the people that we pray for who don't get healed? Listen to me carefully. Just because God wills something doesn't mean it's going to happen. We have a great example of this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I want to read this together. Look at this. It says, God is what? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, you can... Can you put that back up there for just a moment? You can, you can reword that without changing the meaning. It says, God is not willing that any should perish. So you're not changing it by saying that God's will is for everyone to have everlasting life. Does that make sense? God is not willing that any should perish. His will is what? That people should come to repentance. That that people should have everlasting life. So God's will is for everyone to have everlasting life. That's what Scripture says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, have everlasting life. So His will is for everyone to have everlasting life. Is everyone having everlasting life? Is all going to have everlasting life? No. No. But is God's will for everyone to have everlasting life? Yes, that's what the Scripture teaches. God's will is for everyone to have everlasting life. His will is for no one to perish. But people are perishing. Why are they perishing? Because God gave us free will. God gave us free choice. And He will not override our own will. We, have to, we still have to be the one who executes His will. I, I hope you all follow me this morning. Someone has to execute God's will. God's will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But people are still not going to come to repentance because they have free will. They have free choice. They have the right to execute God's will or not execute God's will. For for illustration purposes this morning, a will in today's terms is a legal document that sets forth your wishes regarding the distribution of assets and the care of any minor children. I don't know how many of you have have filled out a will or not, but when you fill out that will, that is your wishes or your will as to what you want carried out when you're gone. But someone has to be the executor of that will. Usually it's someone that you name. You're putting someone 
in charge of executing your will. You're delegating your power and authority to them. It's now their responsibility to execute that will. And being the executor of someone's will is a huge responsibility because the distribution of these assets and the care of any minor children is now in your hands. Are you following me? If I leave a will behind and name someone an executor, it is now their responsibility to execute my wishes. My will. Now, I'm about to make a bold statement this morning, but then I want to I give plenty of supportive evidence to, to back up what I am about to tell you. And the bold statement is this. The execution of God's will on this earth is our responsibility. The execution of God's will on this earth is our responsibility. I'm going to prove that to you in the next few moments. In about an hour and a half, if you guys don't start uh, waking up, until you guys are sitting there this way. I don't know if you're quiet or you're just absorbing this. I'm taking it that you're absorbing this. Because I'm telling you, we are, there are many people in need of healing this morning. Physical, emotional, relational, spiritual. People need to be healed. And we've been taught some things that are, that are contrary to the Word of God. And we get our eyes focused on other people's experiences and other people's outcomes. And we start having faith in what other people went through rather than what the Word of God teaches us. And so I'm trying to, to give you a lot of Scripture, a lot of foundational things this morning to where you can have faith well, that you will know what God's will is regarding healing. Amen? Amen? So the execution of God's will on this earth is our responsibility. When Jesus came to this earth, He came as Christ the healer. And His ability to heal people was really the main way that He proved that He was God. That was, like I said, that was the defining characteristic of his ministry. And we see that God introduced the idea of healing all the way back in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus confirming it. Many of you know this story, but in Acts, or excuse me, Exodus chapter number 12, we get a detailed look at the very first Passover. The Israelites had been in uh, bondage or slavery to the Egyptians for several years uh, they were under the rule of Pharaoh, which was the ruler of Egypt at the time. And Pharaoh would not let the Israelites, which were God's people, he would not let them go. They were in captivity. They had become slaves. And up to this point that I'm about to share with you, God had already sent nine plagues upon the Egyptians, and they still refused to let the children of Israel go. So God comes to Moses, and Moses was the leader of the Israelites at the time. Moses is a, and I don't want to confuse anybody, but he is a, a type of Christ. He was not the Christ, but he was a, he was a deliverer. Okay, he was a picture of Christ. So, so God told Moses, I'm about to do something tonight that is going to break Pharaoh, and he will be eager to let you go. God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a death angel, and the firstborn son from every family of Egypt is going to die. He says, but, but to keep you safe, and to keep all the Israelite families safe, I have something that I want you to do. He says, I want you to take a lamb... And, and, and offer him as a sacrifice. And this lamb, there were certain characteristics that this lamb had to possess. He had to be a one-year-old male. He had to be a spotless. 
And um, they had to take this, this one-year-old lamb and, who was spotless and offer him as a, as a sacrifice to shed the blood. And they were to take this blood of the lamb and to apply it over the doorpost, on the sides of the door and above the door. And God says when, the, when this death angel comes by, when he sees that blood, he will pass over you. In other words, you will be kept safe because you have the blood applied to your doorposts. Now, uh, there's a lot of things I need to share with you, but I, I'm trying to keep this, this short and simple. The, the lamb is a representation of Jesus. A one-year-old male represents a lamb in the prime of his life. Jesus was in the prime of his life. He was spotless or sinless. He became the, the, the sacrificial lamb that was slain for us. And his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. And I think all of us know that the blood of the Lamb is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. It's, it's the blood of Jesus that provides our salvation. But there's more to this story than just taking the blood of the Lamb and applying it over the doorposts. God goes on to tell Moses, He says, I want you to tell the children of Israel that after they've taken the blood and applied it to the doorposts, I want you to, to tell them to take the rest of the Lamb and roast it on the fire and consume it. To eat it. In other words, take the body of the lamb that has been broken and eat it. Now once again, the blood of the lamb represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for our forgiveness. But the body of the lamb represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us so that we could be healed. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, God gives them this command. He says, this is the way you should eat it, the Passover. And we do this when we take communion, the uh, the, uh, the grape juice and the, and the wafers, it's symbolic of the blood and the body of Jesus. Okay? Um, he says, this is the way I want you to eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Because this is the Lord's Passover. Here, here's what God was saying to them. He says, tonight I am going to deliver you from bondage. But not only am I going to deliver you from bondage, I am going to make you whole. See, when we look up the word salvation, when you look at it in the Greek, salvation doesn't just mean to be saved as in forgiven for sins. It means to be made whole, to be made complete. He was giving them a picture of what we see in Psalm chapter 105, verse 37. It says that God brought them out... He brought the children of Israel out. He brought them out of bondage with silver and gold. Watch this. And there was none feeble among his tribes. That word feeble there means to be weak or decayed or diseased or unable for the journey. So God not only delivered them from bondage, but he made every single one of them whole. Over two million people. And none of them were feeble. God not only delivered them, He made them whole. My point is this. God introduced this idea that He wanted to heal everyone, even back in the Old Testament. And then after He delivered them, He said this to them in Exodus 15.26. This is important. He brings them out. He delivers them. He says this. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all the decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who does what? Who heals you. That's interesting. He just brought them out of slavery. And He doesn't say, I'm the Lord who saves you. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. 
The same God who is our deliverer is the same God who is our healer. The same God who delivers is the same God who heals. Isaiah 53, 4. Most people can quote the entire chapter of Isaiah 53. He says this, Surely He has, speaking of the Lord, Surely He has borne our griefs. Next slide. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word griefs there means sickness and disease. Jesus has borne, whose sickness and disease did He, did he bear? Ours, and he carried our sorrows, our pains, our sorrows. So, so he carried our diseases. He bore our sickness, our diseases. And if he bore our sickness and our diseases, that means we don't have to bear them. God's will was for Jesus to bear those for us. Psalms 103 verse 3. Jesus, he's the one who forgives all of your sins and he heals all your diseases. Folks, that I... These things we're putting on the screen is the Word of God. These are not things that I typed out and said, oh, I'm going to pull one over on them today. This is the Word of God. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Nowhere in Scripture can you find that it is not God's will to heal everyone. Everywhere that you look, God's will was to heal everyone. And you have to know that. You have to know that God's will is to heal everyone. Well, pastor, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? That wasn't a physical sickness. That was a persecution. We're not exempt from persecution. So nowhere in Scripture can you find that God's will is not to heal everyone. Yeah, pastor, but I know some people that were prayed for that didn't get healed. Maybe you do. But you cannot let someone else's negative experience or negative outcome convince you that God's will is not to heal everyone. Anyone who believes that it's not God's will to heal everyone only bases that on an experience. Right? The only reason they base that that on a... uh, or the only reason that they believe that God's will is not to heal everyone is because they have seen an experience or a situation where someone was prayed for and they didn't get healed. Are y'all following me? That, that's the only reason someone would say it's not God's will to heal everyone. But, but here's what you need to understand. We don't know what, what, what was going on with that person. We don't know whether or not that person had unbelief in their heart. We don't know what, what their faith level was. We don't know anything about that. But yet we want to base what we believe about God off of what someone else may have experienced. And when you get your eyes on other people's experiences or other people's outcomes, it becomes impossible to have faith in God. Because now our faith is in what someone else experienced rather than what the Word of God says. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So, so, so my point is that this morning that we have to, if you're going to believe God for healing, you have to know that God's will is to heal you. If you don't know that, you can't have faith to be healed. You've got to know that that is His will. Regardless of what has happened to other people, you have to stand on what the Word says. John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. Jesus is speaking to the Apostle Peter here. And in verse 18, He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and others are going to dress you and take you wherever you want to go. 
or where you don't want to go, excuse me. Jesus said this to Peter to let him know by what kind of a death that he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. It's very important. Peter then turned around and saw behind him, I love John's conceitedness here, arrogance. John always describes himself as the one that Jesus loved. You ever notice that? You know, the one that Jesus loved. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, well, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, this is very important, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Now, the point that I want to make from this is that Although Peter wanted to look at, okay, well, Lord, well, what about his life? Or, or what about him? What about, what about his situation? What about his circumstance? Jesus said, don't worry about them. If I, want, if I want John to remain alive until I come again, what does that have to do with you? I just want you to follow me. In other words, Peter, don't worry about what's going on in everyone else's life. Don't worry about their circumstances. Don't worry about their outcomes. Don't worry about their negative experiences. You trust me. You trust what my word says. And that is, if I could cram anything down your throat this morning, that would be the message. When we talk about healing, immediately the enemy wants to remind you of all the people that's received prayer, all the people that you've prayed for that did not get the results that you were believing for. And he wants to do that so that you will get your eyes fixed upon them rather than what God's word says. Jesus was saying, Peter, don't worry about what happens to everyone else. Don't worry about their situation. Don't worry about their negative experience. You follow me. You stand on the Word. You have to know what the Word says. You have to know that it's God's will to heal everyone. Many people today, including Christians, do not know that. Jesus healed everyone that came in contact with Him in His earthly ministry. And He was the express image of the Father. In other words, He expressed the Father's will. He expressed the Father's desire. In other words, He executed the will of the Father. And the Father's will was to heal everyone. And if you don't know that it's God's will for you to be healed, you can't have faith. You can't have faith if you're not sure if it's God's will to heal you or not because faith begins where the will of God is known. That's where faith begins. If you're praying a prayer, Lord, if it's your will, you just negated faith. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, it's knowing not just that God can, but that God will. Matter of fact, Jesus corrected one man when, when uh, I should have looked this up, but when one man came to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you can, would you make me, uh, or if you're able, would you do this? God said, I'm not just able, I will, I'm willing. This is my will for you to be made whole. So until a person knows that it's God's will for them to be healed, they have no basis for faith. I want to give you some further proof that God's will is to heal everyone. For Four ideas or four takeaways that are proof that God's will is to heal everyone. Number one, God is no respecter of persons. That means if He heals one, His will is to heal everyone. 
He's no respecter of persons. Number two, if the church is the body of Christ, do you think that he wants his body sick? These are just some, kind of some common sense things to think about. We know the church is the body of Christ. So if the church is the body of Christ, do you think that God wants his body to be sick? Third proof that God's will is to heal everyone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we were created to do good works. How can we do good works and be, be utilized effectively if we're sick? And number four, fourth proof that it's God's will to heal everyone. God can't keep His covenant without providing healing. Exodus 23, 25, He says, I will protect you from illness. These are, these are all further Proofs that it's God's will to heal everyone. Someone might be here this morning and say, well, we've prayed for them before and they weren't healed, so maybe it's not God's will to heal them. There, there, there are two responses that I have for that. First of all, I want you to think about how silly that it sounds to say that it's not God's will to heal everyone. I myself am a father. There is no way that I would will for, for, for my kids to be Sick. There's no way that I would be willing for, for, for my little girl to be healed, but, but not my little boy. My will is for them to live in health. Are y'all, are y'all following me? How much more our Heavenly Father, who is perfect in all of His ways, how much more is He willing that we live a healthy and whole life? It's His will for everyone to be healed. Well, Scott, we've prayed for them and they're not healed. First of all, that sounds silly for us to say that, that it's, it's not God's will for them to heal. Secondly, there is a perfect example of this in the Bible where some believers who prayed for an individual to be healed or to be set free from, from um, uh, possession by a devil that did not see the results that they were praying for. So we have it. If you think that just because you've prayed for someone and they didn't get healed, if you think that, it, well, it must not be God's will for them to heal them, then wouldn't it be great if there was a, a, a perfect example of what you just described in the Word of God? There is. There is. Luke chapter 9, verse 37 and 43. And this is where it's about to get real, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 37 through 43. The next day when they, as the, as the disciples and Jesus, when they come down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, he's speaking to Jesus, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. Watch this, verse 40. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't do it. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, of course they couldn't do it. They're not Jesus. That's what some of you are thinking right now. So I want to I pause right here, and I want to I back up to verse number one of this exact same chapter. Okay? Let, let's, let's read this. One day, Jesus called together His twelve disciples. Are, are y'all reading? Okay. And Jesus gave them, who is them? The disciples. He gave them power and authority to cast out 
all demons and to heal all diseases. All right. <laughs> okay. So, so when you go back to verse number 40, the man comes who has the sick boy or has the possessed boy, and he says, I begged your disciples to drive him out, but they, but they couldn't do it. Did they have the power to do it? How do we know that? I hear a lot of chatter. How, how do we know that they had the power to drive out the demon? Because Jesus had given it to them, right? Okay, you need to hold on to this. I'm telling you, this will, this will change the way that you approach sickness. Jesus had given them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all manner of sickness. Okay? But they couldn't do it. Now, we're, we're going to spend some time on this passage right here later in the series. But for right now, what I simply want you to see is that Jesus had given them the power and authority to heal all sickness, but they couldn't do it. Now, here's what it, here's what it probably looked like, okay? They're probably praying for this man. They're, they're probably, I, I don't know what they were saying, but they're, they're praying over this young boy who's possessed by the devil, and it doesn't happen. And maybe, the, maybe and this is speculation, okay? Maybe the dad looks at the disciples and says, well, why isn't he being healed? Maybe the disciples says something like this, something like we would say, well, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not God's will for him to be healed. Are y'all still out there? Well, you know, we, we've prayed for other people and they were healed. I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Maybe, maybe God just doesn't want to heal him. And that's, that's the conclusion that they draw. And they were probably okay with that, they being the disciples. The father of the young man who was possessed, he wasn't okay with that. So he goes and tracks down Jesus. Let's pick back up the story of verse number 41. Excuse me. He, he goes and he, he picks back, or he comes back to Jesus and says, my son is possessed. I, I asked your disciples to heal him. They couldn't cast him out. So now I'm coming to you. Watch what Jesus says in verse 41. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. You faithless generation. It's what he said. He's saying this to his, his, his believers as well. Okay? He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Now here's... Here's how we know whether or not it was for God's will for that boy who they couldn't heal to be healed. What did Jesus say? He says, bring him to me. If it was not God's will to heal everyone, even the people that we prayed for that didn't get healed, Jesus, in this case, would have said, well, I'm sorry, but it's, it's just not God's will to heal everyone. But he didn't say that, did he? Even when the disciples tried to get this boy healed and they couldn't, Jesus said, you faithless generation. How long do I got to stay? How, when are you going to start taking serious the power and authority that I gave you? When are you going to start focusing on my mission rather than on what you want to accomplish in this earth? This is, this is huge because this puts the responsibility and the execution of God's will on us. Somebody's like, ouch, I wish I hadn't come to church today. I, let, let, let's go ahead and finish the story. He says, bring your son here. Okay, even while the boy was coming, watch this. I believe the devil knew that he was about to be healed, so he just starts attacking him harder and harder and harder. It's just like people knowing that I'm going to do a series on healing. The devil's going to attack them this week with sickness so they can't come to church. 
So even while this young boy is being brought to Jesus, the demon throws him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebukes the impure spirit. He does what to the boy? He heals. Well, I thought he'd already been prayed for and he didn't receive a healing. I didn't think it was God's will to heal everyone. Are we looking at the outcome that the disciples got or are we going to look at what the Word of God says? Are we going to look at what Jesus actually did? Jesus heals the boy and gave him back to his father. Now watch this. This is key. And they were all, remember the Bible said there was a great crowd there. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. Can you believe the testimony that we would have of the power of Jesus Christ if we got people healed? Now I know the way y'all responded is, is proof that we don't believe that it's God's will to heal everyone. Because right now, you're, the devil is reminding you of situations and circumstances where you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and have seen no results. So you, since many of us, we can't even believe this this morning. That, that's why we have to see what the Word of God says. Okay, and get our eyes on Jesus. The point is this, that God's will is to heal everyone, even people that we've prayed for who haven't gotten well. And I believe this story in Luke chapter 9 proves that. The disciples had prayed for this boy and they couldn't get him healed. And as I told you all ago, if it was God's will not to heal this boy, he would have told his disciples. He would have told this father. He would have said, well, I'm sorry, but it's just not my father's will that your son get healed. I know, I know you've been seeing me heal all these other people and, and you're probably thinking that it's not fair, but I, you know, I'm sorry, but it's just not my father's will for your son to be healed. But Jesus said, you faithless generation, you perverse generation. When are you going to start taking serious the power and authority that I've given you and begin to execute my will? When are you going to get your eyes off on the, on the mission that I have uh, uh, given you the power and authority to accomplish? Jesus said in one place, He said, the works that you see me do, greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit who's going to multiply all the works that can happen because now it's not just going to be me. Now the authority and power has been given to you. There's no greater works than raising the dead. So when Jesus said greater works are you going to do, He wasn't talking about greater miracles. He was talking about the quantity. It's not just the individuals that Jesus come in contact with. Now it's everyone, all the individuals that the church, the believer, the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit comes in contact with. point this morning is this, that it doesn't matter how many times you've prayed for someone and, and haven't seen results. God's will is to heal everyone. That's His will. When Jesus encountered sick, sick folks, He had compassion on them. He didn't want to see them in that condition. He wanted to heal them. And He did heal them. The only, the only time in Scripture where he didn't do a whole lot of miracles, it was, was in his own hometown where people didn't believe that, that he could do those things. And I think it's funny because it says he could there do not many miracles except heal a few people. <laughs> like, oh, I'd settle for that. You know, that'd be great. But the reason that he couldn't heal them, it wasn't that he couldn't, it was, it was their lack of faith. And I just want to leave you with this this morning because I know, and I know, 
this is, I don't want to say it's dangerous, but um, when you teach something like this, man, you can, you can cause some confusion. You can, you, if you're not careful, it can bring shame and guilt on people because you're thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I get somebody healed? Why can't I... I, um, why can't I be healed? And the intent this morning is not to bring shame or guilt on maybe something that you prayed for and you didn't receive the results. The, the, the goal behind this this morning is that we don't get our eyes focused on past experiences or get our eyes fixed on negative outcomes from other people, but we get our eyes focused on the Word of God. And we realize that Jesus has given us power and authority. And the way that we utilize that, that power and authority and that strength that He has given us is, as it says in the book of John, we, we have to... I'm getting a lot of feedback up here. We have to decrease and He has to increase. It's, it's spiritual exercise that we need to do. Not, not so God can get bigger in us because God, the Holy Spirit, every bit of Him is inside of us as a believer. It's not that we get saved and, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, uh, I'll step in just a little bit. And then as you straighten yourself out, then, I'll, then I'll, I'll, more of me will come in. No, the Holy Spirit, God, God the Holy Spirit comes inside of us to the full. Of, to the full. All of us are, are full of the Holy Spirit who believe in Jesus Christ. But now to get Him to, to, to come out as far as like to do the works of, of God, we have to decrease. We've got to get our focus on on executing God's will and not executing our will. And just like I would, I would love to be able to bench press 450 pounds, the only way that I'll be able to do that is if I condition my body, I begin to eat certain things and work out and develop muscles, develop strength. I'm, I'm doing disciplines that's going to build me up to where next thing you know, 450 pounds is nothing. I know y'all's laughing. All things are possible to those who... Who believe I have Jesus. But, but my point is this. It takes, it takes some discipline to get to that point. God has given us the power and authority to heal all manner of disease, to heal all sicknesses. Okay? But, but in order to let that power flow in us, there's got to be some spiritual disciplines. We've got to die daily so that Christ inside of us can, can come to the fullness can come to the forefront so that His his power inside of us can now come out and begin to do the works of God. There's got to be disciplines in prayer. There's got to be disciplines in reading the Word of God. There's got to be disciplines in fasting because in one place Jesus says, this kind does not come out except with prayer and with fasting. So it's, it's not necessarily the things that you're doing to equip yourself. It's the things that you're doing to die more, more every single day to allow God inside of you to be released. Does that make sense? Please say yes, or I'm going to keep trying to prove this point. So Jesus, He heals. He is our healer. And His will is to heal everyone. He wants to heal you physically. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you relationally. We're going to look in this, in this, um, in this series, we're going to look at, at different people that Jesus healed because all the people that He healed represents different conditions that we have. And His will is to heal all of us. He wants to heal your broken heart. Jesus is a healer. Regardless of what others have said, Jesus is a healer.
Regardless of what others have experienced, Jesus is our healer. Regardless of what you have experienced, Jesus is our healer. Look at what the word says and stand on that. My prayer this morning, and and really I felt, you know, I I was actually going to, personally, I had in mind of doing something different. And and just earlier in the week, I just, with with some things that are going on in our congregation, there are a lot of people who are sick, a lot of people who are, are battling some, some difficult times right now with, with sickness. And I just felt really impressed to do a teaching on healing because God wants us whole. God wants us to live a long life full of health. He wants us to walk in healing. He wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to be victorious so that people can see us and they see that, that, that the God that we believe in is indeed the God that they need in their life. He's a healer. At the end of this series, we're going to, I believe that, that God is going, that we're going to see healing in many people. One of, this, one of the, the uh, sermons that I do, I'm going to teach you on how to receive your healing. And this is not just for you, this is for me as well, because we all go through times where we're like, man, I'm just walking in the power of God and sickness has no hold on me. And then there's other times where we're, we're just, we're stuck. I mean, we're, we're battling a sickness and we, we, we feel like that we've done all the things that we've done before to get our healing and it's just not happening. So I'm going to teach you what the Word of God says about receiving your healing. And I believe that as we are taught the Word of God, and as we begin to, to lay hands on people and various things, I believe that we're going to see the results of, of the fact that Jesus heals. Amen? So let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for, for your Word. God, I know that any time that you teach on a subject like this where many people have had some negative experiences. God, I know that there's a tendency for the enemy to try to bring guilt and shame on people. But God, I rebuke what the enemy would try to do today in bringing guilt and shame. God, there is no, there is no condemnation to those who are in you. God, there, there is no guilt, there is no shame. God, I pray that you would release people from that right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that right now that you would begin to Um, shift the way that we have been believing about healing. God, I know that there are people that are in this room today, God, who have physical ailments. God, people who have diabetes, Lord, people who have arthritis, people who have uh, maybe even battling cancer today. God, people who have back problems and and, uh, ongoing headaches and stomach problems. God, there's people who've struggled with this for years. God, as I have taught your word this morning, I pray that as they walk out of here today, that you would give them a new perception and a new um, way of thinking in how they're going to approach this sickness that they're battling. God, that they now begin to believe that it is your will for them to be healed, that they are going to walk out of this bondage, that they are going to walk out of this sickness because your will is for them to walk in health. God, I pray if there's one that's in this room today who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that before this day is over, God, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sins, to come into their life and make them new. God, as we move forward in this this series, I pray that you would just um, uh, help us to, to learn what your will is, what your intentions are, what your desires are for us, Lord, to walk in health and that we would begin to operate in the fullness of the power of God and that we would see signs and wonders happen in this church body. That people would know that 
we are true followers of Christ. They would know, God, that the power of God is working in our lives because people are being healed, people are being transformed, people are being set free. And that just like the stories of Jesus that we read this morning, that people would begin to bring sick folks to us. Not because there's anything special of us, God, but it's because of who lives inside of us. It is you. You are a healer. Jesus heals. I pray that your will would be done, Lord, through us. Lord, help us to execute your will this week. We thank you for good things to come in Jesus' name. Amen.